Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roll Pod, an Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I am staff writer Cody Goodwin, and I'm glad you're here. We're here with Mike Rodak, fellow staff writer, associate staff writer, assistant staff writer. I don't know if we officially hashed that one out, Mike, but what we do know is that Alabama took a very, very, very rough loss last Saturday to Kentucky, 117 to 95. They're now 19 and 8 overall. 11 and 3 in SEC competition. We're going to spend most of today's show talking about Alabama, the state of the men's basketball program, the state of the SEC, since there's what, four games left. Um, even despite that lopsided loss to Alabama, still, I would say, pretty decent position to perhaps win an SEC regular season championship. I know that means different things to different people, but um, Alabama had done a lot of work on the front end to be in the position that they currently are today. But I wanted to start with that loss to Kentucky. And there's a lot of different branches we can probably pick off of this tree, Mike. Um, but first off, um, I think if we, you know, I, I, where do we start with this defense, man? Like I, last time we talked, you had made the comment that just more and more data points are revealing themselves. And the more we look at it and the more you kind of look at what Alabama did on Saturday, it seems like when they play on the road against a good team, defense is optional. <laughs> like, right. And when they play at home against a good team, they defend better. It's not always great, but it's just a little bit better. And I'm just trying to square that with what they could potentially do this postseason. Right. It's there's a lot of things that um, got erased, if you will. And, and Nate Oates started with one. I think that was clever, if nothing else, that he said the question marks about the defense were erased with that game, which on the surface, like when he said it, I was thinking, man, like, no, they weren't. But then he kind of made his point and this is what he was saying to players is that everybody knows they don't play defense now. And so there are no more question marks. So it was a pretty clever line on, on Nate's part. And um, I, I think it's not the only thing that would concern me from that game, just kind of starting on the surface is that a few days ago, Nate said he thought this team was peaking um, and at the right time. And that was not peaking what we saw on Saturday. So um, not to say Nate was wrong. I think he just, his team did not live up to what he thought, they were going to be at that point in the season. Um, I would say you go back to early in the year when they're playing really good teams in Arizona and Purdue and Creighton, and all three of those games were away from Tuscaloosa. I mean, the only true road game was Creighton. Um, Arizona was essentially a road game at a neutral site in Phoenix, and Purdue had a pretty Purdue-friendly crowd in Toronto. Um, and all three of those games were close enough where I think there was a lot of optimism coming out of those games. And there's, um, I think, justified opinions after that, that it was a young team in terms of being together. Um, there's a lot of new pieces at that point in November, December. And for them to play a top five team that closely was probably a decent sign, even though they didn't win the game. Well, then you go to Tennessee and wasn't close. You go to Auburn and really wasn't close. They're down by 20 points in second half. You go to Kentucky and it was as bad as we've seen it. Um, so you're going the other direction. You're at the beginning of the year. You could say, yeah, we're playing these good teams closely. Now, even though you've been together longer, this team's been together really since the summer, they're not playing the good teams as closely or the best teams as closely. So, and even the game that they won, you know, against a really good team in Auburn was not, the best game either. And, and Nate Oates was saying that after the game, that if they played that way, the same way they did at Auburn, that game was a week later, they wouldn't win. And he was right. So 
it's it's not going the right direction necessarily. Um, and that would concern me. Um, you know, I, I think and we can get into this more as we go on here, but um, it's great that they're so successful at home um, in, in terms of beating teams. And they may very well come out on Saturday night and, and beat Tennessee. Like that would not shock me in the least bit, but you don't get to play SEC tournament games at home. You don't get to play um, NCAA tournament games at home either. Those games are not on the road, but they are at a different venue and um, at different venues this year, this team has just not shown up. And so from a trend standpoint, that would concern me a little bit. And maybe they get the benefit of playing in Memphis in their first round, second round games. Um, that would help because I think there'd be a lot of Alabama fans there. You don't know where that regional site game would be. You know, there's the committee had them in Dallas in the South region. I've seen other projections from Joe Lenardi that had them in the Midwest going to Detroit. You know, Louisville last year, I think there were some Alabama fans. It wasn't overwhelming. So you're not going to have that home court advantage, and you're going to be playing really good teams. And that combination of those two things this year have has not bode well for this Alabama team. I'm glad you brought up the the three games that they played earlier, the three games that we continually mention, um, you know, when kind of looking at Alabama's schedule, um, the Purdue, Creighton, Arizona stretch um, in early, mid-December. It seemed like, and I think I said this on, you know, the podcast before, that when they played those three games, they battled, and it just kind of seemed like they ran out of gas in all three mm -hmm. games. Like, it was just kind of, they were kind of waiting for that final push, and the final push just never came. And they had foul it, trouble in those games, too. Yeah. In these three losses, 91 to 71 at Tennessee, 99 to 81 at Auburn, and then 117 to 95 at Kentucky, like they just got punched in the mouth right away. And I don't want to say it was over early, but like all three games got lopsided very quick. Like against Tennessee, they were down big early. Against Auburn, I'll give Alabama credit. Like they, they fought back from an early Auburn run in the first half with a run of their own, but then Auburn went on another, I think, like 19-4 to four run right before halftime, and that more or less made up the difference the rest of the way. Same thing with Kentucky. Like, they, you know, midway through the first half, it was pretty competitive. They're going back and forth. You know, Nate Oates had made the comment beforehand that first to 100 wins. Well, Kentucky was the first team to 100 because they were averaging, I think, you know, in parts of the second half, two points per possession. Like, that's insane. Yep. What like what's the biggest difference here? Like what? Why? Why does it seem like they're? I don't want to say it seems like they're they're caving, giving up early in these road SEC environments, but like they're losing in different ways. And like you mentioned, it's it's not trending in the direction I think NATO's wants. Yeah, I mean it's toughness. I think is part of it, and that's something that Nate's talked about all year. He talked about it at halftime of the game on Saturday that his team didn't have the toughness to win that game in the first half, and um. You know, it's it's one of those things, too, where another thing that would concern me is that you came out of that Georgia game, what was it, a month ago now or so, and you're talking about, all right, this team has the gumption to come back on the road, and they came back from whatever it was, 15, 16 down in that game. They did it against Florida to lesser extent um, last week. And you're like, all right, you go into halftime. I think they're down like 15 at halftime, 49, 59 to 44, something like that, um, was the halftime score on Saturday. And you're like, all right, it's doable like it's they're capable of of keeping it um competitive here and that didn't happen like it got to 37 pretty quickly the the deficit and you know pretty much from 
I'd say the 15 minute mark of the second half on, like he felt like it was just garbage time. Like you're just playing out the string for that game and, you know, on to the next. And, um, you know, Kentucky gets to a hundred points with, I think it was 11 minutes or eight minutes left. They, I mean, it was, say, they got to, they got to 101 to 65 with 847 left. 847. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you can kind of say, all right, at that point, like the fight's over, you're calling it like it's game, but, I think there's maybe a little bit too quick of a um, reaction to just write the game off, throw it away, throw it in the trash can because it's not a singular act for this team this year. Again, it's happened at Auburn happened at Tennessee in Arizona. To some extent they were winning that game. Like it was different, but you didn't feel like that was a great game that they played either. I mean, the Clemson game at home um, was probably in that category as well. Ohio State, they got beaten like a drum in the second half, if I remember correctly. That's back in November. So it's happened before, and it's not an isolated thing where you can just write it off. And um, it, I don't want to say this team feels like the, the team two years ago because I think that team was strange in that they would come out and beat the top five teams in the country. They beat Baylor that year. They beat Gonzaga on the road in Seattle. They beat um, uh, Auburn, I think, was a top five team that they beat, if I remember correctly, that year. And then they would lose to Georgia, which Georgia was terrible that year. And you just went into March knowing that team, and they were on a losing streak. They lost to LSU in ridiculous fashion when J.D. Davison was dribbling out the ball and the shot clock expired. Um, you know, they lost to AM at home. They lost in their only game in the SEC tournament in Tampa. And then they go out to San Diego. You're like, you just didn't expect that team to win. Even though they were a higher seeded team against Notre Dame, you just weren't expecting that team to do anything because they didn't play defense. That was part of the problem. So so this team's not the same in that they're beating the bad teams or the not so good team, but they're losing to the good team. So that's different. But they also don't play defense. And I would say they're a little bit undersized, which was a problem with the team two years ago. Um, and this team, I think has been forced into that lineup a little bit more. You know, we had that switch in the middle of the season to go to Grant Nelson at the five, and they sort of needed to do that because of the Nick Pringle situation and um, just kind of how things were going. So that's probably why they're undersized, but I mean, this wasn't a Kentucky team either that like pounded the rock inside. No, it's not their MO. And those are the teams that have been beating Alabama this year for the most part. So I don't know. It's a few days ago. I think I was talking on the radio about how there are signs in the Florida game that you don't shoot the three. Well, and you can still win a tournament game. This is a sign that you don't play defense. You're not going to win a tournament game. Like it's, you can look at it two different ways here. Like I think there's positives and negatives from the week um, in terms of what happens in March, but it was pretty glaring, you know, what happened on Saturday and, I think even Nate said after the game that they went into the week thinking we're going to fix this defense. Like we're going to make a step in the right direction this week against Florida and Kentucky. And in his words, they went the opposite direction. So, you know, what does that mean right now? We'll see. Yeah, no, I think those are all good points. Um, You know, and I think we've said a couple different times that like, if this team doesn't even marginally get better on defense, they, you know, they're going to be lucky to get any further than the sweet 16. Like they'd be lucky to probably get out of the first weekend, depending on their draw. Um, You know, I think it's important too, to also mention that like, you know, the standings suggest that this Kentucky team is not a world beater. 
it's a very good Kentucky team. Like I think it's, you know, two, four, sevens, Adam Finkelstein has his draftables, um, you know, big board kind of thing where he kind of goes through every team. And, you know, these are players that are draftable. He had seven from Kentucky, two lottery picks, uh, four other first rounders and a second rounder. Like there's a lot of talent on this team. There's always a lot of talent on this team because Calipari is still the coach there. Um, they've just been a little inconsistent, which is why I kind of thought, okay, like if Alabama comes out hot, this could be a team that could be had because you look at Kentucky 19 and eight overall nine and five in conference. They've looked spectacular by beating Auburn on the road and doing what they did to Alabama. They've also had a couple of head scratchers where like, you know, Florida proved to be, and I think still is a very good team, but like, you know, Kentucky used to never lose at Rupp arena. They've lost a couple games at Rupp arena, including one to Florida. So it's like, you know, which Kentucky team's going to show up? Well, it looked like one of the best offenses in the country that showed up too. So let's give them a little bit of credit. But yeah, the, the defensive thing for Alabama, this isn't new. Um, but just to see it in such a jarring way, like I, Kentucky shot 60% from the floor for the game, right? Like 63% from the floor, 54% from deep. Like even by Alabama's poor defensive standards, like that was a fantastic offensive game for Kentucky or conversely, what the heck was Alabama even doing on defense? Yeah, and that that 63% is the highest that Alabama's given up since they gave up 64%, I think, to Kentucky in the 2018 SEC tournament, which yeah. you think of how much has changed from 2018, the spring of 2018, to now the spring of 2024 in SEC basketball. It used to be that Kentucky, Kentucky beating Alabama by 20 points or 25 points and shooting like that would just – it's like Alabama beating Mississippi state in football. Like you just kind of came to expect it. Um, that was just a standard. That was the norm of that decade of that time period. A lot has changed since then. And Alabama has gone on the road to Rupp arena like two years ago now, and they beat them and they beat Kentucky pretty handily. If I remember correctly, um, you know, they beat Kentucky at home um, not so long ago either. So, it, you know, the whole paradigm of, of the sec and basketball has changed and um that's not to say kentucky is yeah they're still probably the most talented team in the sec i think nate said that going into the game i think it was certainly true it played out um but if you're alabama and you're where you are as a program you should still be able to beat kentucky um i don't think that's you know it's not david versus goliath anymore so that's it, that's changed. And look, it, it's one of those things, too. I think we're going to hear a lot about and we have heard a lot about SEC titles and SEC regular season titles do mean something like there's a banner. There's, you know, recognition. You, it's on your record book, all that. And Alabama could still very well win an SEC title. It could be a situation where they split it. You know, it's a share and whether they get the number one seed and number two seed in the tournament, we'll see right now. They're tied with Tennessee. Tennessee owns the tiebreaker from that um, that win they had in January. But I think I made the point on the last show, like, I don't think anybody's really going to be thinking about or thrilled about or excited about an SEC regular season title if this team goes into March and loses in the second round. Or even if they lose in the Sweet 16 to a team that is a lower-seeded team, like what happened last year. Um I don't know if an SEC regular season title at that point means a whole lot. And I think, yes, it's in the history books. It's in the record books. It's an accomplishment, all of that. But college basketball is all the attention is on March. Like that's, that's where the money is made. 
and that's where glory is made. So, uh, you know, part of that is the tournament, and this team's going to need to play well in the SEC tournament. I think an SEC tournament title would mean a little bit more to me. Um, but ultimately, it's about the NCAA tournament. And, again, the signs you look at, the teams, the sort of team you're going to play in the NCAA tournament is probably, again, after the first round. You know, I think right now, Lenardi has them playing high point as a 14 seed. Um, you know, you can write off the first round game, but after that, you're playing really good teams. And right now, Alabama's one and seven against top 25 teams in that. Last year, they were one and four against top 15 teams in that. And one of those was San Diego State that beat them and went to the final four. So you got to beat the best to be the best. And this year and last year, that hasn't happened. Um, that's I don't say it's a problem. Like it's hard to beat those sort of teams, but if you want to be one of those teams, and I think Alabama is very close to being one of those teams, you got to get over that hump at some point. And this was an opportunity for them to do it at Kentucky and show that on broadcast television, they were that sort of team. And it just, it totally went the opposite direction. Three and seven now in quad one opportunities for Alabama, 16 and one in all other games. Um, you know, this was a stretch, and I, we've written about this and talked about this. This was a stretch where Alabama could really bolster their NCAA resume. Like, I think they're, they're ceiling this year probably a two-seed. Um, this was a pretty gnarly hit on that, not just because of the score, but because it's just a continued trend of Alabama not being able to win the big games consistently. I mean, of their three quad one wins, two of them are against Mississippi State. Um, the other one, Auburn at home, where they just decidedly did not play very well. They still have more opportunities coming up. Um, you mentioned that they can still win an SEC regular season title. I know that that may not mean a whole lot to a lot of people, especially if, like you said, they check out fairly early in March. But you look at the schedule that's left at Ole Miss this Wednesday, home against Tennessee on Saturday, at Florida next Tuesday, and then they finish up Arkansas at home next Saturday. Um, but I'll be honest, man, like you look at this schedule, I see I see. Three and one, potentially two and two. Um, mm -hmm. And the swing game there, I think, is this coming Saturday against Tennessee. Because um, Tennessee and Alabama both tied at the top of the league right now at 11 and three overall. Tennessee holds the tiebreaker. Um, this is a Tennessee team that seems to be playing very, very well. They've been, I think, a lot more consistent than Alabama. Um, Alabama almost lost to Florida at home, and now they still have to go to Gainesville. Um I don't know, man. Like maybe I'm just like prisoner of the moment here because of their not very good defensive effort. And it kind of took not a small miracle, but like they really kind of had to show some stuff to beat Florida last week. Um, now they got to go to Gainesville. Florida's still playing very, very well. Tennessee is, you know, decidedly one of the best teams in the country. Um, if they do, like maybe that inspires a little bit of optimism going into the SEC tournament and the, you know, eventually the NCAA tournament. Um, but also like, just the way that they've been playing lately. Like I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And if you go two and two down the stretch here, you could tumble as far, you know, from the two seed to potentially the five seed, depending on what South Carolina and Auburn do. Um, and two and two also puts you at do the math here, 13 and five. If Florida runs the table, they're 13 and five. And then you get all sorts of funny tiebreakers. Kentucky could be in that mix too. Cause then you're looking at, you know, sec tournament seating and then, what is that week in Nashville going to look like? I don't know. These are a lot of random thoughts in my head. I'm going to tee it up for you and you yeah. have any response. Well, I mean, right now, the only among the top six teams in the SEC, 
uh, Alabama only owns a tiebreaker over South Carolina by virtue of their win very early on, early on in, in the SEC schedule. Uh, right now, they would lose tiebreaker to Tennessee. At best, they would split that. Uh, they split the tiebreaker with Auburn. Um, or sorry, they, they own the tiebreaker over Florida, but there's an opportunity for Florida to split that as well, I should say. Yeah. Um, and then they would lose a tiebreaker to Kentucky. So, yes, if you go two and two, it depends partially on who you lose to. If it, I think the worst case scenario would be losing to Tennessee and Florida and beating Ole Miss and Arkansas because then you wouldn't have the tiebreaker over anybody in the top six other than South Carolina. Yeah. Um, and that would be problematic, especially because after, even if you split a series 1 1, it then goes to your record against the number one seed on down or the best teams on down. And again, your, your records aren't good, like against really anybody until you get to Mississippi state. So I don't think Alabama would be in an advantageous position there. Um, and look, I think it's, it's one of those things too, where I know some people say like, it doesn't matter if you lose a game, it doesn't matter whether you lost by one point or 50 points. If you win a game, it doesn't matter the same thing, but there's a difference between what happened to Alabama against Florida and what happened to Alabama against Kentucky in terms of how you, perceive this team and how you project this team in March. And and I think it's true. Like they could have lost that Florida game in overtime by one point if the ball had bounced, you know, different way on, on some of those late game things. I don't think it would have been a big deal. But the Kentucky game wasn't close. Like it it I, I can't equate those two things where let's hypothetically say Alabama lost to Florida by one point. They lost to Kentucky by 22 and we're losing by 37. Like those aren't the same result to me. They're both losses. Yes. But like one, I think would make me feel a lot more uneasy than the other. Um, again, it's part of that. It's just a trend too. Um, so look, it, it, the beauty of college basketball is you can get hot in March. You can win six games in a row and nobody will care what happened before that. But it's not like teams completely come out of the blue to do that a lot. Even right. the teams that are Cinderella's in um, the tournament are usually very good mid-major teams that were very good all season. So, um, you know, you are what you are at this point in the year. And I think Nate put it very well in saying everybody knows they don't guard. And uh, he was asked by by Matt Stahl of avail.com, like, is it fixable at this point? And they didn't really say yes. Like he's basically saying like it, we can make it better than what we saw on Saturday, obviously, but we're still just going to have to deal with that. And he's essentially saying, if we can make it a little bit better on defense and we can play a little bit better on offense, then, you know, they can win more games, but right now they're 97th in Ken Palm on defense. And that's, they dropped from like the mid seventies. Yeah, that was a. Huge that's how drop. rough Saturday was. They right. dropped I mean, almost a full twenty-five spots at this point in the season. To have that happen is is pretty remarkable because you're there's a big sample size. Like there's there's a lot of data, so if have one game change that much of your standing is pretty remarkable. Um, I haven't seen that. You know, not that I follow every single day these ups and downs, but I mean that's what happens when you have 117 points put on you. Like that's it's really going to skew the data. So yeah. that's what happened there. We we have harped on the fact that we know why Alabama might have an early exit in March. The lack of defense. It takes just one cold <clears throat> shooting night. 
if you were to make the case as to why they could potentially make a run to the second weekend to the Elite Eight, what would the case be? Well, I think they're still in very good position to make the second weekend um, because of their seeding right now, which is still the three seed. Um, and that's in part because of their net ranking. Their net ranking is high because of their offensive efficiency, A, and B, because of their schedule. I mean, net is a very simple calculation these days. It used to have five factors. Now it only has two. And it's basically opponent-adjusted efficiency is really what it comes down to. So, um, again, having a very efficient offense is really going to help them, and having the schedule they played is really going to help them. And that's what's fueling them being a three-seed right now, even though they only have one win against the top 25 net team. Um, so that's having that sort of seed is naturally going to help the opponents you play the first weekend. Um, again, I think the location of those games would be helpful. I think it helped them last year playing in Birmingham, uh, when it was essentially a home game when they played Corpus Christi and then Maryland. Um, you know, right now, again, I haven't checked Lenardi today. Um, but I believe he had them playing high point as a 14 seed in Memphis and, um, Yes, and then St. Mary's and Indiana State being the, the other game in that pod. And St. Mary's is a very good team. You know, they've kind of taken over for Gonzaga in that conference, and uh, they would be a sixth seed, and that would be a tough game in round two. Indiana State's also a team as an 11th seed I think can be pretty dangerous. They're um, very high in, in net, and, um, you know, they played Alabama pretty tough um, back in November when we were in Kentucky. Um but I point being like you can, I think, get out of that weekend pretty easily. And then this is just the projections that Lenardi has, but you'd probably be facing a Marquette or Washington State. You know, Marquette's would be a two seed. That would be the best team that you've played potentially all year. Um, maybe with the well, I guess Purdue and, and Arizona are one seeds, but the best team you've played since December. And, but that that game could be in Detroit. And if you play Marquette in Detroit, there's going to be more Marquette fans than there are going to be Alabama fans there. And that could be problematic too. So, um, look, I think if you're looking for a formula for them to get out and to get to the Elite Eight, which they haven't done since 2004, it's going to have to be just you go off on offense <laughs> and, you know, shoot like 18 of – 32 or something and from three and and have that be the way that you get through it. They were six of 17 against Kentucky, which isn't bad. I think that's 35%, but um, you only got 17 shots off and Kentucky ran you off the line. I think a really good coach is you start to see that too. Like Calipari did that. Rick Pitino did that really well when Iona played Alabama and beat them the second time a couple of years ago. Um, if they really run you off the three-point line and, and don't allow you to get those shots off, then, yeah, you got six of 17 three-pointers, but that was six three-pointers only got you 18 points. And that's – if that's your game, if you are a three-point shooting team and you get 18 points off three-pointers, that's not good enough. Um, even if you got 56 points in the paint or whatever it was for Alabama, like, that's what Kentucky wanted. Like, they knew they weren't going to beat them that way, and they didn't. So, um Again, I think you run into a really good defensive team, a really good coach that knows how to make it happen, and that's going to be a problem. It's been a problem for them before. So, I don't know. We'll see. It's the beauty of March. I mean, exciting as always to, to cover all those games, but 
Um, I just don't know coming off of Saturday's game where I'd put this team in terms of writing out my own bracket and then how far they would get. I don't think I would put them in the final four right now. Right. Yeah. And I think the other thing to consider, and you know, maybe this doesn't mean anything, but like if you face a Marquette in the sweet 16, like that coaching staff's going to have a full week to prepare and study a little bit more film and find more tendencies and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, if you see them in the elite eight, for example, like they really only have a one day turnaround and you know, these coaching staffs are smart. They do a lot of advanced work. So they're going to have something ready, but like they're not going to have as much time. And if Alabama's hot, like that, that to me is, you know, you look at teams that usually make deep runs in March that are maybe a little quote unquote surprising, um, really good guard play. Right. So Latrell Wrightsell comes back. They find their groove again from deep a little bit. Um, they're able to kind of, you know, Oates is maybe able to break down what certain defenses are doing to him. Maybe that's it. Right. Like maybe that could potentially be the formula for them to go deep, but I don't know. It, it's, it's really hard to see that after a 22. 20- 27 point loss right right and i'll say that too like that's one thing that nate has said a lot is that veteran teams win in march and this is a veteran alabama team probably more so than it has been in, in years past um because of mark sears's experience as a senior aaron strada is a six year or fifth year guy who's no eligibility left right sells a senior grant nelson's been around four years now so um yeah, you're a guard-heavy, senior-laden team, and those teams do typically do well in March. Um, with all that said, it's it's funny. Like, every time we write about a player, about a younger player kind of coming along, it seems like it kind of falls off. Because you wrote about Sam Walters the other day, and <laughs> he had a great game against Florida, and then he did pretty much nothing against um, Kentucky. Um, stat line Bama, the Bama 247 curse. Every time we, we try to profile a kid, um, yeah, they go, they, I mean, I, don't, I, don't I wrote anymore. about um, Muhammad Diabate after uh, I mean, he actually had a decent game against Kentucky at 12 points, but just I think I wrote about him after AM game, Mississippi State game, yeah, he had 19 points or 19 minutes, 14 points, and then the next three games, he had zero, zero, four, and then two points. Um, and Jaron Stevenson too, as a younger player, I think kind of disappeared or has disappeared in some of these bigger games as well. Um, just needs to figure out what exactly he is. And I think, you know, sometimes they try to have him be that outside shooter, like Noah Clowney could be sometimes. And there's been a few games where he's kind of gone off there. There's also some games where he shoots over three over four and hurts them a little bit, um, because he's not their best shooter, but he's taking a higher volume of shots and, um, the rebounding for him hasn't really been there either. So, um, yeah, I think, yes, their seniors could be very beneficial, but they, I think they need some of these younger guys to, to step up to the plate a little bit. And it's just been a little bit inconsistent between Diabate and, and Walters and, and Stevenson. Good points all around. Good points all around. We're looking ahead to this week. We already said it. They play at Ole Miss on Wednesday, and then they're at home against Tennessee on Saturday, college game day is going to be in Tuscaloosa for the first time ever for a basketball game, which is kind of cool for a football town. Um, what's your one? Um, is it is it cool that college game day is going to be here for basketball? And then, you know, on top of that, what's what's kind of your confidence level going into these two games this week? Yeah, oh, definitely is. I mean, it's I think everybody loves college game day or people used to. I know, you know, football side, people say that they don't watch anymore and they watch big noon kickoff or whatever it is, but it's, you know, it's still a marquee program in terms of um, it's going to get a lot of eyeballs. And this is also the time of year where 
you know, there's not really college game day in basketball until the middle of January. And even then, I think it takes a little time to pick up steam for people to kind of care about it. But you're talking like late February, people are definitely tuning in and caring. And, um, you know, it's there's a novelty factor for, I think, a lot of fans to be in Coleman when Brees Davis is there and um, Seth Greenberg and Jay Billis and all those guys. So that would be good. Um, you know, it's I think I looked it up. It's only three SEC cities that are have yet to host it in terms of Georgia, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. So, wow. Um, you know, there's football schools and kind of go across that swath of the country from Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, where classically they haven't been very good in basketball um, or at least getting the national recognition in basketball. And Alabama has a lot of wins in terms of SEC games, but yeah, there, nobody views them like they would a Kentucky or, or t- even a Tennessee or a Florida. Um, they just haven't had that high level of success yet. So it's a sign that there's a little bit more, momentum there's a little bit more recognition um all those things help i think in the big picture so yeah it's great that game day's there i think obviously the game at night on espn is gonna mean a little bit more but um it'll be cool to see them pull up again we're not yeah. again first time 100 percent um yeah i think uh you know just looking ahead to the games I think Ole Miss was found out a little bit. I know they had a really hot start during their non-conference, but they have since struggled since coming into conference play. At the same time, I don't know, that has a maybe like a little bit of a trap feel to it. Like if Alabama still doesn't have their head screwed on right going into Oxford on Wednesday, it could it could be a struggle. You know, I don't know that it's going to be a struggle enough for them to lose, knock on wood. But, um, you know, come ready – Seems like it could also be, in, in addition to potential trappy type game, it could also be a get right game if Alabama brings their A game. Um, the Tennessee one, man, like I just, I don't know. I, Alabama could win. They could lose in any way, shape, or form. And I don't know that I would be terribly surprised either way. No, yeah. It's one of those where you can see, um, you know, the building kind of rallying behind Alabama and players having a sense of urgency and, trying harder and there's more effort there's more hustle there's shots that start to fall and they're feeling good about themselves like that's that's happened before like that's that's not a an unimaginable formula so you know if you ask me right now and i don't know i don't doubt there's any betting lines out on that game yet but if you ask me right now i could see alabama being favored in that game and i could see alabama winning that game like it's um probably more likely than not in my mind but I could also see them losing on Wednesday night to Ole Miss. And you're right. I mean, Ole Miss has had a tough go of it. They've lost five of their last six. They've also played four ranked teams in the last six games. So, um, you know, they played at Kentucky as well. They played at South Carolina. They played South Carolina again. They played at, or they played um, at home against Auburn. They lost at Starkville, which is a rivalry game for them. So, um, and I believe, where are they bracketology wise? I think they're still right on the bubble. Uh, yes, they are the first four out, the second team out right now for Lenardi. So this is a huge, huge game for Ole Miss in terms of the tournament. Um, I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to say it's their biggest game of the year. If they win this one, they're probably in the tournament uh, or at least position themselves really well by beating a top five net team in L- or top six net team in Alabama. If they lose, then you know it's another nail in the coffin for them. So. Um, they're going to be really motivated. I'm sure we're going to hear Nate when he talks tomorrow uh, mention a lot of that. And, um, you yeah, know, that's a cool arena. Um, I don't know if we've 
if you've been inside there yet. You know, you haven't covered a game at Ole Miss, but I have not. No. When we park for football games, we park in the garage, which is connected to the basketball arena. And you actually walk through the lobby of the basketball arena, and um, it's only a few years old at this point. The pavilion and um, neat little place, and uh, actually, I think modeled or Alabama's modeling their their proposed their mythical new basketball arena <laughs> after Ole Misses um, in, in some regards, like there's a lot of similarities in design. So um, not that that really means anything for the game, but it is a, a neat place to, um, to watch a basketball game. And I think Ole Miss is, is probably going to draw a pretty good crowd for that one. All I heard is that if we go to Oxford on Wednesday, there's a chance we could see Lane Kiffin and his dog. That is also true. Lane is uh, would not be surprised. But you know, Lane, he might show up to the game and like tweet roll tide or something. Like you just never know with him. He's uh, an expert social media troll. Assuming that he is the one tweeting all those things, there are some times when I doubt that he is actually um, behind some of his tweets, and I, I would wonder if he has someone that is uh, skilled in, in trolling that does it for him. But, uh, yeah, that I would be on the lookout for some sort of Lane Kiffin tweet in oh. reference to that game. I that's a good point on, on your end. Tweets from the head coach are signed to LK. Um, if only it were that simple, Mike. I think that was really all the questions I had for you. These very interesting times for the basketball program because it seems like they continue to play at a high level most of the time. Um, and then when they don't, it obviously gives us pause about, you know, how far they could potentially make a run in March and March is going to be here by the end of the week. So that, you know, we've collected plenty of data points to this point, so I'm not sure how much is going to change. Um, but you know, whatever change may be had when it comes to Alabama men's basketball, they ain't got a lot of time left to implement it if they want to. So, um, be kind of interesting to see how this week goes. Cause I think it could really set the tone for the final regular season week. Um, you know, strong showing this week could obviously keep them in the hunt for the sec title, not a strong showing could, um, you know, dampen what a 27 point loss couldn't already dampen, um, you know, from last weekend. Got any other final thoughts before we sign off here? No, I mean, this team has wins left. Like that's, there's no doubt about that. And that could be some big wins. It could beat, Tennessee they could beat Florida on the road like they could beat they could come back and beat Auburn or Kentucky or Tennessee in the SEC tournament in Nashville um like none of that would surprise me um but again it's as we've discussed for a while now you just have to go off the data that you have and the more times they play these sort of games the more the data doesn't look good for Alabama so that's just that's just the facts, man. <laughs> oh, we'll be back uh, later sometime this week um, to probably talk a little bit of spring football. We're under the belief that spring practices are going to start next week. Um, so we're going to start rolling out some positional previews. And Mike and I will come back on and discuss some of the bigger things that we're looking forward to monitoring throughout the 15 spring practices and the A-Day spring game. We know that date set for April 13th. Um, so yeah, we'll circle back with some football later this week. In the meantime, though, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, even our Bama 247 YouTube page. Subscribe to Bama 247 and 247 Sports. We're still running a special because we're always running a special. Believe uh, 30% off a of VIP membership. Absolutely take advantage of that because we got a lot of fun 
uh, spring football content coming, and we have a new staff announcement coming this Friday that we are very, very excited about. Uh, Mike, thank you again for joining me. We appreciate you guys for listening. We'll talk to you all again soon.